Australia's top TV podcast, Box Cutters, invites you to enjoy the 2010 Eurovision Song Contest on the big screen upstairs at Vibe. Watch the SBS broadcast as we bring a little bit of Oslo to downtown Fitzroy. Come dressed to represent your favorite Eurovision nation. Drinks, bar snacks, and Julia worshipping will be available. That's Box Cutters presents Eurovision 2010 Party. Vibe on Smith Street, Fitzroy. Sunday, May 30th from 7 p.m. Be there, be there, be there, be there, be there, be there. And now, previously on Box Cutters. Box Cutters. Box Cutters. Box Cutters. Hello and welcome to Box Cutters episode 225. Surrounded by thighs. <laughs> my name is Josh Canal. To my left, Nellie Thomas. See, now people are going to think it's my thighs. Why are they going to think it's your thighs? you just said surrounded by thighs. Oh, and then I go to the left me. and to the right. <laughs> Sorry. <gasps> my Sorry. thighs are nowhere near Joshua Canal. It's because I was, I was going to say a session of Josh. And then, oh. uh, and then uh, but then, you know, I couldn't remember what it was that I was going to say because I never write these things down. No. To my right, Brett Cropley. Good evening, viewers. And his thighs. <laughs> ah, it's huge a- paddocks of flesh. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's been a big week in television, and, and we've got a, a massive show coming up, but mm. an even bigger week mm. coming up in television, mm. because next Sunday night is Eurovision night. Indeed. And we have the Box Cutters Presents Eurovision Live at Vibe in Collingwood. A special event. It is a special... I think it's our first ever Box Cutters special event. Yes, it is. Or I was just too drunk at all the others. No, it is. It's our first ever Box Cutters special event. Vibe on Smith Street next Sunday night, the 30th of May from 7pm. Eurovision on the big screen. Live HD feed Sam from Payne, SBS. Julia Zemiro. Uh, and, and us. Sequence. All of Europe. And all, mm. all of Europe, fact, except all of for Eurovision. Italy. Most so, of Europe. So, including Russia. In, inclu- uh, yeah, and, uh, and, and Turkey and Israel, but not Italy. Why? Because they just don't take part in Eurovision. Not interested. They're, uh, they're too upset at not having one. I spent some time really? in yes. Italy. Uh, yes, I, I suspect. I, well, you know, they they do try within Italy, but I suspect that they they do have a national self awareness that they actually have very very little musicality about them when it comes to pop music. Really? Yeah, yeah. I've been the some, Italians to some have weird no musicality. Town. That sounds like a very strange sentence. It would because the, the Italians, like, uh, of course, you know, with Eurovision you, you, had uh, Volare, which. Uh, it's not the yeah, official name of that song, but I, I don't know what it is. Which uh, is fantastic, fantastic mm. so Italian song. So they were in Eurovision, then they pulled out. They were, yes. When did they pull out? Uh, 1957. No, I don't know. It wasn't 1957 because it's only been around a since 1956. They do the piano accordion well, and they do that. And the kind of stuff well, but they don't do pop music well. 
They do not do pop music well. Well, maybe if they, they worked harder play, at it and got into well Eurovision. With others. No, I think I that's think it. Is what's going I think on that's here. it. Anyway, so everyone except okay, for Italy cool, cool, cool. in Eurovision, and, and that will be Vibe, seven pm mm-hmm. Sunday, the thirtieth of May. Uh, on Smith Street. If you're in Melbourne, come along. There's it's drinks, free. There's food. There'll be uh, drinks and food at bar mm. prices. Some great bar food at Vibe. They do have good food. Yeah. Mm. Uh, and you get to see box cutters in the flesh. Mm-hmm. And fleshy thighs. Yeah, full of fleshy thighs. Mm. Put it this way: I reckon when you see the four of us, you'll go, "Yeah, they really do review TV. They're not like elite athletes." <laughs> <laughs> the, the four of us standing next to each other, we just look like a couch. <laughs> We're like the before shot. <laughs> <laughs> so you can come and enjoy that next Sunday night. We look forward to seeing you. We also look forward to the rest of this episode of Box Cutters because it is going to be hot. Lots of news. Lots of news. Mm. Lots of news to get through. Uh, we've got uh, a review of Treme. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to talk about Survivor. Mm-hmm. Why, why are you looking at me funny? I just looked at the list of what's coming up on the show. Yeah. Did we have a Ray Watch? Uh, no. Do you want to put a Ray Watch in I, there? I have a Ray Watch. Right, we've got a Ray Watch. Mm-hmm. I told you I haven't looked at the internet. <laughs> there you go. I haven't looked at the internet because of the lost finale. It's not on his little written of down course. thing. That's all right. We'll slot it in. So I'm doing this whole thing analog. Okay, let's go. I'm just talking into a, an old loud hailer. There's pens and paper. Not even a proper microphone. Nope. <laughs> doing the whole thing analog. Pens and paper. Uh, so we're going to talk about Survivor. There's a Ray Watch. We've got letters to box cutters. We've got one thing. We've got pork. As always, though, we are going to kick things off with the box cutters news. Probably the biggest news item this week, I, I think, has got to be the Foxtel Microsoft Xbox Live mm-hmm. deal. That I don't know if you saw this. Uh, it it uh, came out uh, uh, probably end of last week, I think Friday last week, and uh, and Foxtel announced that they were going to start uh, distributing thirty of their channels through the Xbox Live system. So for the first time in the history of Foxtel, you won't have to have a Foxtel box in your house in order to receive... So, a cable connection. Well, it's, you won't have to... But it's a an internet con- connection. It's an internet connection. So, so these mm. will be streamed... These channels will be streamed via the web into your Xbox. So, Xbox traditionally for games. Traditionally for games, but they have an Xbox Live thing that uh, in, the, in the US and some other countries, you can also get uh, some video content through as well. Do you know so you can get some, <laughs> some on-demand content. I'm sorry to trivialise it, but all I can think of is Tracy Jordan's, you know, that porno thing that he makes? <laughs> what is it? Dong Slayer? <laughs> <laughs> the, the porno game? It's the, it's the greatest video game of all <laughs> the time. Greatest video and the game. best porn. Is that ever. what this is? Uh, no, this is, this is Foxtel. So, you know, it's cable- like a hybrid. It's two things merging. Uh, no, it's, it's two things staying the same, except you just won't need a Foxtel box. Mm-hmm. And you won't need a cable connection. So as long as you've got an internet connection, you'll be able to receive Foxtel. Which, which may be a cable connection. Which which might be a cable connection. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you won't necessarily need one. You can do it with ADSL2. And so why have they done this? They've done this to try to open up uh, Foxtel to a larger audience. So mm-hmm. there are people who don't necessarily want to get want to go through the whole trouble of 
getting Fox Hill into their house. Uh, a lot of people who live in flats, if you live in a block of flats, you either need to get the body corporate to agree to have the cable hooked up to your block of flats or you need to deal with the landlord and all, all of these sorts of things. So this uh, is just normal Xbox inter- and an internet connection. And an internet and you've connection got it. and okay. you've got it. And you just subscribe like anyone else? And you subscribe like anyone else. Now, the uh, it's, it's called uh, Foxtel by Xbox or Foxtel by Xbox Live. The problem is at the moment that uh, we don't know how much it's going to cost. You are going to need an Xbox Live Gold account, which costs $8 a month. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, you're going to need a Foxtel subscription. And an Xbox. And you're going to need an Xbox. And they cost a lot, don't they? They, they do. Mm. And one of the things in the, uh, the article was that, uh, oh, it's cheaper because you don't have to pay the setup fees. But you still do need to buy the Xbox. You still need to buy an Xbox. A lot of people already have an Xbox in their house. Do mm-hmm. they? How many? More than 10. <laughs> but seriously, do I, when you say a lot of people, a lot of my friends have uh, have an Xbox. But I wonder what the what the figures are. I, and um, I wonder, I wonder how sales went uh, once HD DVD was dead in the water. Uh, I don't think that really affected Xbox sales at no? all. I, I think HD DVD was. Uh, I don't think the Blu-ray of the PlayStation. No, because uh, most people are the, buying Xbox for their kids, aren't they? Ooh, now no? No, no. No? Really? No. What are they doing with it? They're buying it to play games. To play Tracy Grown Jordan's. Grown humans. Grown humans, Nelly. Really? Yes. Wow. Grown humans. People our age. When do they garden? When do they what? When do they cook? They're, they, That's they're, what the ladies are for. <laughs> oh, Brett. Crop, I can take you. Don't think I can't. Hey, I, I don't have one. <laughs> <laughs> what, an Xbox? Yeah. Or no, a lady any longer no. is my <laughs> guess. Xbox. I, I, I don't have an Xbox. But do you I think did... that's a, a similar demographic? The the guys that have the Xboxes generally have ladies that will cook them dinner? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, Brett. I'm thinking I'm... The, the type of demo that plays uh, Madden NFL. I'm not uh, – hey, that's, that's a great game. All right, Maybe. we've gotten away from we've gotten away from the news. Option. We have. So this is a great this is a great day for, in the Josh Canal household. Well, I don't have an Xbox. Oh God! Oh, now, I, I don't have an Xbox. I've got Foxtel. No, I've got Foxtel. But but I, I think it's I think it's great because finally, what I've what I've wanted for a very long time was uh, the, the ability for other devices to use the Foxtel feed. Right. So I've uh, I. I'm not very happy with being bound to using the Foxtel IQ box. Right. I would rather be able to buy a, a different PVR, maybe something that gave me a little bit more functionality. You know, I, I think the, the idea of having, so having one PVR to rule them all is, is, is not great because people have different needs. But does, doesn't this just mean you've got two PVRs to rule them all? In fact, does it record at all? Uh, they're not or saying. Or are you just watching... They're not saying. Mm. I, I think that I read the article and I do have a vague memory that uh, they're talking about having a lot of on-demand content. Well, yeah, um, there'll be on-demand and catch-up services. And they, the other thing Foxtel are doing with, with this is uh, they want to uh, launch a competitor to Telstra's T-Box and iInet's Fetch TV. Wait a minute. Who owns Foxtel? Telstra own 25% of Foxtel. Only 25 Yes. So Telstra are competing with Telstra. Uh, Foxtel, Foxtel are competing with Telstra, but it's like it's not huge competition because it's different. 
it, it's a it, it's very different content. So the OECD report on Telstra have got to be kind of cleaned up so that they don't have these kinds of conflicts of interest. Oh yeah, the, the whole is Telstra more and more the whole Telstra Foxtel thing is messy. The Australian media landscape. Yes. Yes, it is. Also, does it mention uh, what happens with uh, the bandwidth that this video takes up? Uh, yeah, one of the articles, uh, an article from CNET, uh, they, they spoke about the uh, the service requir- requ- requiring a really high speed uh, internet connection, mm-hmm. and that it would that take pipes. it would take quite a lot of bandwidth. And at the moment, they ha- uh, Foxtel don't have. Or Foxtel and Microsoft don't have any agreements, agreements with, with any ISPs, it's internet service providers, for those of you not up with the three-letter acronyms. Although, Telstra do have a, a bit of a head start on that, given that they're involved already. <laughs> but yes. hang on, just, just, you know, coming back to just your standard user point of view, POV. Yes. So, you can now get pay TV <sighs> via your Xbox... Yes. Instead of via Foxtel's box. Correct. How is this better for me? Plus, I have to use my internet you connection. You don't have to, do to have it. a cable connection. You can have ADSL. But do, does a cable okay, connection cost a lot? You just, the okay, Nelly, you've just moved house. Yeah. Ordinarily, yeah. you would have to organize a new connection for your internet, organize yeah. a new connection for your cable, yeah. uh, and pay those charges mm-hmm. to. To Whereas you can just take your Xbox. You can just take your Xbox and, and as so long as you've got an internet connection, you can do it wherever you want. If you're you renting, for example, or you move around a lot or whatever, then it's good. Yes. Okay. Uh, I'm wondering how it's going to work internationally. I wonder if, I'm, if I've got an Xbox Live account, mm. if I'd be able to uh, get access my Foxtel stuff when I'm overseas at a friend's house using their Xbox. Hmm. Mm. I wonder how that's going to work. Questions. Lots or and lots versa. of questions. I, I imagine it would have a geo IP lockdown on there, much like Hulu, without using a, a proxy. Yeah, probably. You may as well be talking Japanese. You really... I think maybe the listeners... So it's, a lot of the listeners would understand. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And, those, and those who don't, sympathise with you now. <laughs> you thank all the intense things. Uh, so I, I, think that's, I think that's huge news because uh, Foxtel are, are starting to move into... The arena of let's let's put our content on other devices. Uh, I think we might see an opening up of uh, of ways that you can get your subscription television if that's what you want. I think that's important. But few do. F- what few want subscription television? Yeah, yeah, because it's not very good. Well, yeah, there's a lot of repetitiveness there and a lot of filler. If if I could get Je- a lot of channels to fill, if I could get Jeopardy some other way, you have to pay for it. I mean, that's about right <laughs> the end of the day. Exactly, you exactly. have to pay for now, it. Now, tragically, oh, a friend of box cutters has passed on this week. Oh. What? Well, a friend of some box cutters, Ghost Whisperer. Yes, oh. yes, Brett. I was. Uh, that's what I was, I was desperately sad to see that. I was. Are you uh, a fan? Was, I was thinking let's, <laughs> the guilty pleasure. Really? Yeah. The news that that would make Ross McQueen very happy and Brett Cropley very sad. New Adventures of Old Christine has been cancelled. 
That was a terrible show. But I, I was so, never a great so fan has, of that. Well, that's, that's but, the news that would make Ross very happy. Yeah. Because mm. he, he hated that show oh, so much. It's a terrible show. I think he called it something like The Shit Adventures of Old Elaine or something yeah. like that. Yeah. But it was uh, Emmy Award winning. It was just a terrible show. It really. I mean, I wanted to love it. Honestly, Brett, if we actually had a video podcast, mm. that could be Emmy Award winning. They give those <laughs> things out to anyone. <laughs> they really do. The Ghost Whisperers, I can't say I'm, um, I'm, I'm a fan of that either. On Brett loves it. Just a guilty. Fair enough. I mean, he I watched Bold it. and Beautiful. The, 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 the whole Jim died and then his ghost hung around for a bit and then it took over somebody else's body. And then but it that remembered. Girl, the whisperer. And then we never actually saw the actual face of Jim. Mm. It was a little bit shark jumpish. And then, <laughs> and then the kid. We're actually going to talk about this. Yeah, we're going we're to talk about the show. <laughs> and he, then the he brings this up every time. And he talks to me. He talks to me like I know exactly what he's talking about. I don't know. <gasps> and jumping five years ahead with the the, the child was the girl from Party of Five. Yeah, yeah, it was the girl from Jennifer Party of Five. Yeah, yeah, girl from Party of Five. And I know what you did last summer. Yeah. Yeah, she's bad in that. She's bad. Well, she's bad in everything. I did quite like Party of Five. Well, Party of Five in was great. In a schmaltzy sort of pa- way. Party of Five was a great show. Yeah. So uh, that's gone. Gary Unmarried. Gone. <laughs> Gary Unmarried's gone. Accidentally wow. on purpose. What's Jenna Offman going to be up to next year? Uh, I'm, yeah. I'm amazed Accidentally on Purpose lasted more than three episodes. Like, th- that was terrible. Well, it wasn't as terrible as uh, the, the Josh Lawson vehicle. No, which, uh, which we announced last week. Uh, in other, ooh, that show's gone news, but maybe it's not gone news. Uh, mm. Law and Order might uh, come back to life. But on TNT, so it's been uh, it, it's, it's been, been axed landed and picked yeah, up. It's been axed off NBC, but TNT are talking about picking it up, mm. which would be great. It still rates for, pretty uh, well, doesn't it? Well, not well enough. Mm. The original Law but and Order. They're not terrible ratings, though. So. No, not not terrible ratings, but probably just too expensive for NBC mm. to to have it on its own. Whereas if uh, if TNT had it, they could make some changes, work something out, but. Uh, this is most important for Dick Wolf, who's the creator of Law and Order, who wants to beat Gunsmoke's record of 20 seasons for one drama. And he's almost there. Mm-hmm. And he's, Jumping Networks doesn't uh, go doesn't, against it? Doesn't disqualify from that, apparently, according to Dick Wolf. According to records by Dick Wolf. And 20 seasons for what? So wouldn't Neighbours beat that? Yes. But it's not a one-hour yeah. drama, it's an okay. American drama. Okay, so that's what you're talking so about. So, it's, Neighbours is a soap opera. I was going to say that exact thing, then I thought, no, it's, it's a different category, isn't it? But yeah, it's, like, it's a very particular, basically beating... Show with guns. Show, show with guns. It goes guns. for an hour. <laughs> show with guns that goes for an hour. Uh, and, with some content. And appeared on American television. <laughs> uh, Neighbours and cockroaches, just nothing can kill them. <laughs> I thought they had some cockroaches storyline that you were going to tell us about. Uh, in, uh, in, in not very important news, but interesting news, uh, Brett Michaels, uh, who had, uh, had some life-threatening health issues in the last few weeks. This is uh, Brett Michaels. Was formerly of Pammy Poison. for a while? And, and formerly of Poison. I don't think he was ever with Pammy. Was Maybe he? he was. I don't know. Everyone was. Maybe you think he was Kid Rock. They look very similar. <laughs> oh, yes. Uh, Brett Michaels, formerly of Poison, uh, is, uh, is, has been uh, hey, hey. signed up to do a new reality show for VH1 called Life As I Know It. 
VH1 are going to do 10 episodes of the series talking about and, and, uh, Brett Michaels and, and his life after his, uh, uh, his horrible uh, brain seizures and stuff oh, that he's had God. in the last few weeks. His warning stroke. And, and his warning stroke. Which uh, led doctors to discover a hole in his heart. Well, there you go. How do you That's know that? That's why it was a warning stroke. How I do you know see, that? I, I read it last night and I just retain everything. Brett Michaels from Poison had a warning stroke mm-hmm. and now he's got a reality TV show. Yeah. Wow. It was, it was a trending topic on it's Twitter. It's like hot dogs. <laughs> do you it's, remember hot dogs I do. Big Brother? Yeah. yeah. I, 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 remember, mm-hmm. I remember hot dogs. Um, poison were a little bit bigger. Oh, I loved Poison. <laughs> I loved no. Poison. Did Hot Dogs have a have a stroke? No, but he, he got, got a, a hole show. in his heart. He got a shot. Oh. Uh, and lastly, in the news, probably also quite importantly, so we're top and tailing this with mm-hmm. important stuff. SBS have cut back one third of their subtitling staff. Really? They've, they've telegraphed that they're going to do that. They've yes. announced that they're cutting ten staff mm-hmm. out of thirty. Wow. Uh, and this is an already, an already diminished stuff because they don't have enough work for them because they're not doing enough uh, cool. overseas content. Mm. Other companies do it cheaper. Uh, but not as well. SBS have always had the best subtitles in the industry. You see subtitling from, uh, from other countries, uh, subtitling in movies. If you go and see and, a, a, and what, a, foreign, a foreign language film at the what cinema. What makes a good subtitle? Uh, How do you differentiate your subtitles? <laughs> yeah, you can with read the them. black under. Well, actually, <laughs> the, the yellow with the black drop shadow was really important because it meant that it wouldn't compete with any of the background mm. uh, information. You could actually read them properly. Yeah. So that example, was that was really important. The other thing is, uh, whenever I watch something uh, in another language, but I speak that language, I can tell if they're subtitling it well or not. If they're translating things, what languages properly. can you speak? I can speak a lot of languages. Can you really? I can. Can you really, or is this a is this a canal? no? No, I can. I can. can you really yeah. like yeah. what? Uh, French, mm-hmm. Yiddish, Hebrew. Mm-hmm. I can understand a bit of Polish. Wow. Uh, I used to be able to speak a little bit of Greek. Wow. Oh yeah, I'm totally. So you can actually watch it and go. That's a good translation. That's a good that's translation. A that's translation. a bad translation. SBS's translations were always really good. Really good. They had a really good dedicated subtitling staff. And now they're cutting that back and cutting it back and cutting it back and talking about outsourcing it. And uh, there are but huge are they talking about outsourcing it to another Australian organisation? Uh, I don't know. I, got, I get this from Because they, they are also talking about uh, getting some subtitling in from overseas. Yeah. So, so with the, the prints, I guess. So I, I got this article from, uh, from crikey.com.au. And, uh, yeah, they talk about... Uh, Outsourcing it to other companies, I, I don't think it says whether or not they're in Australia, uh, but then also talks about getting subtitling from overseas. Uh, SaveOurSBS.org are not happy with it. They say that since the since advertising was first allowed on SBS in 1990, that their commitment to foreign language broadcasting has fallen, mm. which... When it was meant to be the opposite. When it was so, meant to be the opposite. Mm. So and maybe and that's, is, that's uh, something that they say a lot, but people don't really listen to it. Maybe this, this is a sign that uh, Sean Brown... Not content uh, with having run SBS with uh, Top Gear is going to cut back on foreign language uh, content by a third. Well, and they still have a lot of foreign language because content on SBS, but a lot of that is uh, news, and SBS mm. uh, foreign title. language news doesn't have subtitles. 
Actually, I remember now um, you talk about the importance of the, say, the colour of the subtitles, which, I mean, I don't speak any other languages, so that's where I come at it from. I remember, I'm a huge fan of The Eagle. I watched every series of The Eagle on yep. SBS, absolutely loved it. And it was incredibly fr- frustrating, their subtitles, because from memory, I think they're white or silver, and they just play... And over that's, the top of the yeah yeah, and that's picture. that's terrible. And there's times if it's a white background, as funnily enough, in that part of the world, sometimes it snows. Um, you couldn't read it. I buy a lot of uh, a lot of uh, Chinese language films from Chinatown. So someone somewhere along the lines has done the subtitling, mm. uh, and so they've got uh, uh, Chinese character subtitles and English subtitles. Mm. And if you get one of those. Uh, and it's letterboxed, and it's uh, white subtitles, mm. and it's just impossible mm. to read. It fills up the entire screen. There's no mm. space left for picture. No, no, no. It's so tiny. Oh. It's so tiny that you just – because the, the picture's letterboxed, and I've got a 4.3 television. Yep. This is your old cathode ray television. Mm-hmm. None of these newfangled mm. – Wide screens. Energy burners. Because mm. uh, I'm a hippie. Uh, But yeah, the the subtitles are are really, really difficult to read So SBS's subtitles, decent size Mm. They get the point across Mm. The the translations are always really good The fact that they're losing a third of their already diminished subtitling stuff I I think that's a a terrible thing for for SBS Mm. Uh, I don't know what's going to happen I think, I really think Sean Brown needs to resign I think maybe our box cutters listeners maybe could perhaps write to SBS Make their views known about cutting the staff. Ooh, they could do that. If it's you're just angry, an option. if you're angry, writing a letter is always a good way to In tell people that you're angry. On a black background, and that is the box cutters news. Box My family's making funeral arrangements, but it's good you all are doing this here today. Oh!
So there's some of the sounds of Treme, the new show from HBO uh, that's been screening in the US. First off, it's spelt T-R-E-M-E, but it's pronounced Treme. Uh, David Simon, the man responsible for Homicide Life on the Streets, The Wire and Generation Kill, created this series along with playwright and fellow Wire alumnus uh, and also part-time New Orleans resident, Eric Overmeyer. Uh, Treme is set in New Orleans, and it's largely about one particular part of the city, the neighbourhood called Treme. Uh, David Simon is is doing a similar thing with Treme as as he did with The Wire. He's painting a portrait of a city. It's a story-based... It's a... it's a story-based picture that gives the audience really a, a sense of what it's like to actually be there in New Orleans. Uh, as such, every single character is important in the storytelling. And they, they mightn't get equal weighting from scene to scene, but without them we wouldn't get a what I think would be a true sense of Treme as a, a place in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the surface, though, it seems that New Orleans is about pride, passion, and tradition. Uh, there's uh, th- There in the in the music, we just heard some Mardi Gras Indians, which is a, a very New Orleans thing. Uh, look up Mardi Gras Indians on Wikipedia if you want to know a, a little bit more about them. I, I find them fascinating. And they're singing a song called in- Indian Red, and then uh, in the middle there we heard uh, Dr. John, famous New Orleans jazz pianist. Uh, also doing a, a version of Indian Red, and uh, the music is really, really important in this in this show uh, as far as setting the whole scene and setting that scene of passion and pride and tradition. But if we dig a little past the uh, a, a little bit more through the New Orleans that we expect, we find that there's a corruption and a darkness to the city, and uh, even three months after Hurricane Katrina, which is where this series is set, we discovered that uh, it's not really all about brothers and sisters helping each other out to rebuild a city. We're at a point now where the parish will never admit that there are any prisoners missing, so we have to go to court. Tony, I have to tell you, I got to where I didn't know if you was going to be on this the right way. So I tried to reach out to my husband's brother. He's a civil court judge, Bernard Williams. He said he was going to call you, but I'm guessing... Okay, I figured he wasn't going to do shit anyway. My husband's family, they into that seventh ward Creole shit like they a different fucking race. Never missed a chance to remind me I ain't one of them. Well, I could give uh, Judge Williams a call, see if he has some kind of pull. Data people pulling strikes, getting shit done. People like us, my mother, me, my brother. We just folks from around the way. We get shit done to us. I shouldn't be telling you this. I'm sorry for my doubts. And that that little scene kind of summarizes what it is that I love about this show is uh, it, 
we see that there is the people who get shit done and the people who get shit done to them. Mm. And which is classic wire. Yeah, which yeah. is which is exactly mm. what what we saw in in the wire but and generation on a, kill. On a mm. much on a much smaller scale, uh, a much smaller community, uh, a lot of people still haven't come back having mm. uh, having been evacuated during the hurricane. And there, there are some people who the most important thing to them is the the pride, the passion of mm. uh, of rebuilding the city that they love. And everybody talks about how much they love New Orleans, but they'll talk about it while they're in New York. Well, they'll- and it's literally just to set the scene for listeners. It's literally three or four months after the the hurricanes happen. So, so much of the scenery is dilapidated buildings, is wet walls, is mud on the floors, is people coming and going. There's all that authenticity stuff who's really from New Orleans, Mm. who isn't, who is a real resident, who's not. And that's all playing out with with the hurricane being very fresh. You know, like it's not two years later. No, it's it's, it's, it's just it's fresh in their minds, really. and everybody coming back together and discovering what each other went through. Mm. But it's also the point at which I think the residents have had that very stark realization: "Oh shit, nobody's going to fix it." You know, like that. You, no doubt there'd be an initial flush of, "Oh well, someone will take care of it." Like the government will take care. Somebody will come and fix this. And after three or four months. You know, when you still haven't got gas or your wall's still falling in and you're like, oh, my God, they're not coming. Yeah, and, and they have to fix their roofs themselves yeah. and they have to uh, fix all the electricity themselves. And the themselves. insurance isn't going to pay out and, the, you know, like the realities of it setting in. Yeah, and there's a, a great uh, a, a great point where somebody's talking about insurance and, and uh, it's like, well, the insurance... The insurance needs to work out if it's flood damage or if it's wind damage. Yes. And they're going to pay in different ways. And, right. and so you go through all this hardship mm. with, the, uh, with, with the characters, mm. but uh, you also see what, what, what it is that they're, they're looking for in their lives. Well, and it, to me, it's that kind of thing. It's a bit like The Wire. When, when I first was watching The Wire, and I mean, I used to work in homelessness services years ago, so it's not like I've never been exposed to that stuff. But you my are over- so right on. I know. My overwhelming mm-hmm. feeling watching The Wire was going, how are they letting people live like that? Like, why? Where, where is everybody? Why aren't they coming down to the projects and fixing this? Why are there five kids there with one glass of orange juice to have all day? It's America. And you get that thing again of the same sort of experience watching Treme. I think of going, how can you let this happen to these people? This is not a poor country. And then and then you discover how how in that in that conversation we heard this woman's brother in law Mm. who is a judge but uh, won't lift a finger to help because Mm. uh, there is this this concept of that there are lesser people and mm. there are greater people. Mm. And that's life. I mean, you see there's two two of the main white characters played by John Goodman and Stephen Zahn. one of my favourite characters in the show, who's this just really cranky academic who has these tirades on YouTube. So he's fantastic. And his wife, who's your classic lefty lawyer, you know, always Melissa looking Leo, after everyone. was in The Wire. Yeah, and so they are... Uh, Homicide Life on the Streets. Oh, was it? Yeah. Yeah, ah. I don't, yeah, I didn't think so. They are taking care. You know, they're a big part of their community. They're taking care. But you also see their privilege. 
you know, in their yes. beautiful house. Their daughter's still having music lessons. Their daughter is um, choosing. I think they've sent her away to a she's, private school. She's going to a private school in Battle. Baton Rouge. And she gets sent off to boarding school in Baton Rouge. And in fact, until, she says until her to her dad, in, in this Orleans. isn't fair. And he basically says life isn't fair. And uh, and uh, he's he's great. I think Stephen Zahn is really mm. good. Uh, and uh, Kim, Brett, can you help me out here with your internet? Uh, I can. Uh, Kim, Candy Alexander, you're thinking of? Kim Dickens. Kim Dickens. Kim Dickens. Thank you. I knew it started with a D. Kim Dickens, who we which saw in, in Deadwood. She's the chef. Oh, Joni. Yeah. Yeah, so I think of her as Deadwood. And yeah. then she was in Friday Night Lights. She's in Friday Night Lights. I love that woman. She she's, is fantastic. She's magnificent. She can do no wrong she's in my eyes. She's absolutely amazing. I must say one difficulty I really do have, and I read this in a couple of reviews as well, um, I find it very hard not to see Bunk as Bunk. And Lester as Lester. See, Lester, because these two, these two actors, uh, Wendell Pierce, I yeah. think is Bunk, and Lester's name. Clark Peters. Clark Peters. Uh, they, they were both in The Wire and they're both intramate. Big characters in The Wire but, too. But Lester, it took me a while because... Yeah. Really? He's, he doesn't have his beard. Oh, as soon as he walked on, I went, oh, Lester. Also, his hair's rounder. And his hair's rounder. Uh, he so that, older. that took me a... a Oh, he was grey in The Wire, I'm pretty sure. Oh, I thought he looked like, older. At, at least going grey, at least in the beard. But Bunk, or Wendell. Bunk is, yeah. I mean, yeah. I did, I'm and finding he's, it he's really hard. And like the second scene yeah. opening up the series. Yeah. But he's, he's a bit Bunk-like too. And he, he plays a trombone player mm. uh, who is really trying to, to make it work and a lot of venues have closed – uh, it's not as easy to get a gig in New Orleans as it used to be. Although and, you have the feeling for, with him, it never was. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like he's basically he's always been, been a on the outer, bum, you know. But he's like he, he's talented. People clearly yeah. like him, and they they like having him in their band. But uh, he's 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 a little bit of a screw up. Yeah. Uh, and, and then you've got your classic um, white guy musician, that guy who I always just think of as dude Stephen Zahn, who's just you know always like. On the the tit of his mum and dad still, of course, regardless of Katrina. This has just been a way for him to channel his rage. But he would have always been, you know, frigging around from gig to gig and pissing people off. He was such a character along the lines of River's Edge. My name flies... Oh, uh, Crispin Glover. Crispin Glover in River's Edge. Like that, that just... Really put upon and and really raging against everybody. He's Ziggy. Stephen Zahn's that same as well. character. I've got a I, I've got a little audio clip of uh, of uh, uh, Dan from Roseanne yeah. and uh, and Stephen Zahn. Uh, oh, I love that scene. As, uh, this is in. I don't know if you've seen this scene. Oh. This is in episode three. Oh no, I there's a. Know. So this is uh, this is when they when they first meet when their two characters first meet. Davis McAlary here for the piano lesson. Oh, yeah, come on in. Sophia! You're a professor, right? Yeah. I love to teach. I'm sure you can relate. I love it so much, I often shave before I do it. <laughs> yeah. Tulane's back in business next month. That's a good thing. English department, right? 
I majored in English, Goddard College. Sophia! <laughs> Your piano teacher's here. You can call me Davis. Hi. Hi. Okay. So, um, I understand you've been learning mostly classical stuff, right? Yeah. Okay. Here's the deal, Sophia. Forget everything you've been told about Jesus, Buddha, Allah, because there is only one God, and his name is Professor Longhair. Okay? And he wrote this song called Tipitina. All right. Okay. Eight-bar blues. First thing we're going to cop is the bass. And so that's... <laughs> That's not only a, an example of how good the acting is mm. in this show, and and it's one of the, the hallmarks of the David Simon shows, mm. but also a, a lot of HBO shows, is how good the acting is and how mm. they just really struggle to get the acting just right. Mm. Uh, these characters just jump off the screen and, mm. and you know them instantly. But also the the thing that, uh, that Davis, the, the character there says uh, about forget Jesus, Buddha and Allah, mm. uh, it's, it's all about Professor Longhair is really a, a great example of how important music is mm. to the show and how important the, the characters in Tremaine to their feel, life. feel like music yeah, is to, to, life. to the city. It is literally life, I yeah. think. That's the way it comes across to me, that music is not their life, it is life. So if you don't like jazz... Mm. You're probably not going to enjoy this show. It's well, not, it, is it jazz? So it's, it's, New, not, it's New Orleans jazz. Yeah. It's, That's if, interesting you say that because I there are very admit, long. Very I have long found parts of it boring because I'm not a huge music aficionado, and I can't um, distinguish easily. You know, I can tell the music's good, but I'm not sure why. You know, and so there's periods very long stretches of music where I think, oh, wrap it up already. And the thing, really? about, the, thing about the music sections uh, is, and I, I was thinking about this, that the music sections are just as important because just mm. as much story is being told. Yeah. Not necessarily just in the music itself, but uh, visually mm. someone on stage is going to give someone else a look and that's yep. going to say a thousand words mm. or, or – you know, they'll sigh mid-note or there'll be a something and you'll just know exactly what that character is about mm. at that exact moment. I love this show. Mm. Mm. I love it. I love the pants off of it. Mm. And uh, it's it has already been set up for a, for, for a second season. So, mm. And and the, the music in this, I, I just, I'm so in love with this show, much more than The Wire grabbed me at really? the outset. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, oh, that's and a big call. I reckon call. that... Uh, that Wendell Pierce's character is much, much better than Bunk. Much more engaging than Bunk. Bunk was really he was he was a side character in in The Wire. I felt he wasn't like he he would go out and get drunk with McNutty, mm. but that was pretty much what he did, apart from trying to solve homicides. But he wasn't well, in there. His interactions the with Omar were quite significant as well, though. I thought that oh, he's you know this isn't going to turn to no, review of The Wire, no. but. Uh, but yes, but Wendell Pierce has a lot more to do in this. In this, one, in this yeah. and uh, and and so does uh, uh, the other guy's name. I've just forgotten. Again. Yeah, no, no. Uh, the guy who played Lester in The Wire. Yep. Uh, he's got a lot more to do in this. Yeah. In, in this as well. And well, they're both main characters. Yeah, they, they are yeah. both main characters. Yeah. And as the Indian chief, uh, he's just superb. Like mm. he's he's got so much intensity and, and I so love many levels. When he first comes out, is that with the pink feathers? 
coming, coming yeah. to, to. Do you know what's really you interesting? You can't deny your chief, basically, is, is going, going up to see one of the other guys, one of the first ones that's come back to town. Yeah, and like and, to, and this to, whole this whole idea of this subculture of the mm. uh, of the the uh, the Mardi Gras Indians, I and, and it's hard to amazing. explain, but to see him in this you know full regalia of these pink feathers and totally over the top, it's so masculine. That's what I find really interesting about it. Like kind of watching it and and thinking if you describe to someone, oh, there's a grown man dressed up in um, pink feathers for Mardi Gras. The first thing you don't think of is masculine strength, but that's exactly what he brings to it, which yeah. is also a testament well, you know, he's, of what he's a wandering the streets amazing of New actor in the, is in the dead of night, which is mm. it, it's a bit of a dodgy proposition mm. at the best of times, let alone three months mm. after uh, Katrina's gone through, and, and it's beautiful. And just the, the big, we don't we don't know that much about his character, no, as not yet, yet, because he's got he, he's clearly known. And feared mm. by the the guy that ended up with his stolen tools. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. but not uh, by his kids, which is n- also yeah, interesting. Not, not feared by his kids. In the next scene, his kids so are dismissive. Many, but like, his, his, so many levels to this show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and the, and uh, the the. Uh, what is the word? Cheese sandwich. No, Elvis Costello, oh, John, the, and Kermit Ruffins, and you've Elvis got, Costello. You've got all these these this amazing cameos, 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 that are doing their, their cameos, cameos or their, their special guest appearances. Like Kermit Ruffins, I, I actually saw him in New Orleans, and, and I was there before Katrina was there, and I was at, I saw him at Vaughan's. It was an amazing night, and just that that kind of stuff that that you could do at Katrina is is it, so evoked in New the or- show. New Orleans, in New Orleans, yeah. yeah you said. Katrina. Katrina was a hurricane, so actually a place. Pre-Katrina. Just so beautifully shot too, isn't uh, it? Beautifully. It, it really is. You think again of the why. How can you make the projects beautiful? How can you make post-Katrina New Orleans with the sadness and the destruction beautiful? It is so visually amazing. And this is clearly David Simon, Eric Overmeyer. They they gather people who they can work with. Mm. And and create a, a team. And mm. uh, the first episode of this was directed by Agnieszka Holland, who uh, is a, a film director, has directed uh, a number of films in the past, a Polish woman who had done a few episodes of The Wire. Mm-hmm. And they just went, right, we'll ju- we, just, we mm. want her look. And so they get the people who... Mm. And Prez Belusky, whatever his actor's name is, has I noticed that he's in uh, the Prez fourth... is the agent of... The the uh, the of Albert's son, yeah, right. So and so lots of those sorts of little connections, but it's I've, you've got to watch it, of course. And, it's and wonderful. Uh, I'm, I haven't looked into their backgrounds, but I think that I I suspect from this that Clark Peters and, and Wendell Pierce are actually much more New Orleans than they were ever. Wendell Pierce, Wendell Pierce is a native native New Orleans. Yep, uh, and trombone Peters, player Peters. I don't know though. Mm. Um, than uh, they they ever were in The Wire. You know? Yeah, mm, mm. Uh, it's it's called Treme. If mm. you can get a chance to see it, do we are definitely going to tell you as soon as it's available on DVD in the US. My recommendation then is to uh, buy as much of it as you can, can give it out to all of your friends because it's it's superb. Because it'll never be shown here, but it's superb. Uh, might, it might might <laughs> be reckon? shown. Maybe maybe keep an eye out. ABC, ABC two. two. <laughs> yeah. Hi, you're listening to The Box Cutters on the internet. It's called a podcast. My name's Rod Quantock. I've been on The Box Cutters and it's one of the most stimulating, innovating and exciting programs I'd ever wish to be part of. Can I have my $10 now, please? Oh, Rod. Oh. Rod Quantock. <laughs> uh, Nellie Thomas, yep. 
Tim Isles on Twitter yep. uh, sent me a, a little request. Yep. Uh, he got in touch with me and said, hey, Josh. Because mm. it actually said, at Sealfer, because that's me on right. Twitter, Sealfer. Mm. said, uh, could you please ask Nelly yep. to talk about this latest season of Survivor? Tim, you want me to talk about Survivor? I don't know. I don't know if I can. Okay, <laughs> sure. Uh, <laughs> now, first of all, can I say I was not wagging last week to watch Survivor because I watch it free to air. Um, so I haven't watched the finale yet because it's not on until tomorrow, on tomorrow night. And I'm beside myself with excitement. There is a party at my place. If you know the address, you can come. If you don't. Clearly, I'm not going to give it out. Um, I know the address. I'm just not willing to go that far. <laughs> just not willing to go to my new house. That's a whole other thing. Look, the high, I'll do highlights and lowlights. Okay. Please, please. Let's start with lowlights. First lowlight for me is Rupert, a.k.a. the bear, for those of you in gay subculture. Rupert as the hero. Rupert should not be on the hero's team. As far as I'm concerned. What do you mean? He's the Rupert, nicest guy in the world. Rupert he is helps not homeless the squirrels. Guy. Rupert is a control freak bully. Is That's he? what Rupert is. And I remember when I think it was fans versus favourites or something like that. Long story short, he insisted that they build a friggin' shelter by digging out the sand on the beach because it would be warmer. There is Jerry standing there saying, I think the water might come in and it will be cold. And he would not have it. And the way he behaved, I thought, you are not what you seem, young man. But then he got told. He did. He got told and he admitted that he was wrong. No, what had to happen was they had to dig the friggin' shelter or get hypothermia and then he admitted he was wrong. No, just. an expert came. They had some expert. Yeah, the- after they dug it and oh. slept in it for a night in the freezing cold. Right. He's an a-hole. I'm not interested. Um, the other lights for She's me harsh, are really harsh. no Tina. Because Tina should definitely have been there. Tina from Survivor Australia, not the Australian Survivor, yep. a, a, you know, Survivor Outback. The one where they, they stole Coral and got fired. Yes, she won um, and she won in grand style. She's, I think she was 50-something then and she did this ama- – I still remember it's years ago. She did this amazing challenge where you had to basically just hold your hand up in the air and not touch a ring. So it's about, you know, endurance basically. Yep. And I think she did it for about 14 hours or something and she won. Oh, wow. So no no Tina and no Richard Hatch. You can't have a villains without Richard Hatch, but I think he might he's still be in, in the camp. He's, yeah, he's still in prison. <laughs> I wouldn't let him out for it. Special dispensation. Um, the only other low light for me was Saree, who is my favourite survivor of all time, um, was voted out very early. They were quite right to do so because if she ever got to the end, she would no doubt win. Too but much that of was, a threat. She was too much of a threat. And she's a really nice mix of being a pragmatist but actually a nice person. So who's in the last episode? So the last five, like, the final five is Pavardi, who is obviously a villain. Um, Sandra's a villain. Russell's a villain. Jerry's a villain. Jerry from Survivor Outback, uh-huh. so the Australian one, um, who apparently was knocking off Je- Jeff Prost at some point. So that's a whole other thing. Right. And Colby is the remaining hero. Colby, you know... Wet lettuce, whatever his last name is. That was going to sound a lot more witty than it ended up being. So I couldn't remember his last name. Donaldson. Colby, wet lettuce Donaldson. Colby, nobody He's, cares about you. Oh, Colby, Donaldson. get your hand off it. Think a little, kind of shaggy hair. No, no, very clean cut. Mr. American Pie, Colby. You know, all teeth. You know, that oh, big, yes, big yes, white yes, teeth. Yes, I all yeah, teeth, yeah. no substance, Colby. No. <laughs> 
and his mum came to visit. You know how they do, like, their family comes to visit for a reward. His mum came to visit, like and when, let's just when? say there was a lot. It was there. Was, it was a bit eatable. Oh. There was a lot of was it actually his mother going on at my oh, house. I don't oh. want to think about that. Wasn't oh. wasn't like Johnny Fairplay and his grandmother dying. Oh no, that was that genius. That was genius. Good on you. It's Survivor. Get over it. He lied. Um, <laughs> highlights. There was one point at which Pavardi, who I can't stand, but he's a very good player. Sit in my chair. You'll be able to stand it easily. She's a classic vixen, isn't she? She's oh, yeah. just brilliant vixen, and she is a hot and tight hottie. There's no question about that. But she did the most brilliant survivor play of all time where long story short she had two idols unbeknownst to anybody else and two two immunity idols two immunity idols which no one knew about not even her that's not just a euphemism nope and so when she got to uh to tribal council she knew that the other team were going to either vote for one of two people she gave both of her idols away so that neither of them their votes would count and someone from the other team got voted off. It was a brilliant, bold stroke of genius. That's a, that is a great place. So and is she still in it? She's still in it. And even though I hate her guts, I'm totally happy for her to win because I just thought that was such a bold move. Um, the other highlight, of course, is Coach and his outfits at Tribal Council. Because, Co- you know, Coach, the deluded dragon slayer, who does actually <laughs> seem to think that he's got some kind of special powers. Right. <laughs> right. Yes. He comes to tribal in, like, he'll have Indian feathers on. Where or... is he getting these feathers? What, has he brought all of these to? He would have bought, he would have packed them, Josh. He would have right. just packed them. He came in a kimono one other time. And, um, like, I think he actually does think he's a warrior. The other highlight is that, JT, who's the country boy on the heroes team, who's won before, and I'm not sure why he's a hero because he was a bit snaky, but I like him. He gave Russell an idol. Now, Russell, the biggest villain of all time, JT passed it over to Russell and gave him an idol on the basis that he thought Russell was being dominated by this bunch of women on the villains team. Like, it was just, why would anybody give Russell anything let alone an idol, based on a hunch that the ladies might be ganging up on him. And there's all that stuff because I think we live in such a different context in terms of religious stuff. You hear this thing from JT. I've heard it before from um, a couple of the other male contestants where they go, you know, they always bite the apple. They always bite the apple. It's like the women have got some kind of original sin, Mm -hmm. bloody Eve thing going on. Tricking the men into getting kicked out. Russell. Um, it really has been, for me, probably second only to Survivor Outback, the best season of Survivor I've ever seen. Really good. They've chosen very well. I wish Richard Hatch was in it. Yep. But other than that, um, it's been a very good cast. It didn't get me in. Didn't I, it? I just found the, the villains too nasty. Oh, really? See, that's Survivor. And like, like just really bad-spirited. Like it wasn't about How strategy. It wasn't about for, it wasn't about building up alliances or anything like that. It was just uh, just whenever possible, like going for for physical damage. Oh, look! Initially, there were a couple of them who were just assholes. Yeah, who in the physical challenges got very rough. But one thing I thought was quite interesting. I mean, it's it's hard to get too deep about Survivor. But James, for example, who was on the Heroes team, who's a very large black guy, who was a grave digger, yep, and everyone yep. loved him. He one did his knee, yeah? Yeah, but one of the interesting about this whole concept is that he was really revealed to be something of a villain. 
as are all of us. Was like he, he got very rough with Randy, who's this horrible guy on the villains team, but he was unnecessarily rough with him and he would have been, he's at least twice his strength. Like probably it was really guy, awful. Yeah, yeah it Going was really awful. Yep. Isn't it but, but, but we talked about life. this before. It's it's the warden's prisoners experiment. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And you know what, Jerry from Survivor Outback, who we think knocked off Jeff Probes. Mm. Good on you, girl. Um, is it required that you mention that every time you mention Look, her name? that's actually her name. She's changed that na- to her name. By I'm Pope. in awe. I'm in awe of Jerry. But she is go went into the season being known as the Black Widow, right? She has been delightful. And I always thought she had a really – like I th- always thought she was quite unfairly maligned. And it's a classic example of how, you know, whether you're talking about Underbelly or Survivor or The Wire or anything, it's shades of grey. And it really has shown, of course, there's no heroes or no villains. Shades of grey or it's all relative? It's a bit of both because none of them, are, uh, with the possible exception of Randy, none of them are truly horrible and none of them are truly nice. You know, I mean, that's life, isn't it? Except for Vardy, she's lovely. So it's always (laughs) a, a bit of struggle between goodness and evil. So well, it's no, just referencing think, Lost. Again. No, but that's the point. It's not because it's not good versus evil. It's about no, no, saying but, uh, man's internal within struggle. us. Yeah, but is it even a struggle? I mean, say with Parvati, I think she's quite happy to go, yeah, I just want shit. <laughs> you know, like, I, th- I think it's that old uh, year 12 essay theme of uh, we, we had to choose a, choose a theme from the novel and write about that theme. It's, it's just man's inhumanity to man. It's past the conch, Piggy. Yep. You know, <laughs> Nelly's got something to say. Um, but it's so, going to be a very interesting finale, I think. I have no idea who's going to win. So second, second best series Second ever. best for me ever. Absolutely. Good one. Hello and welcome to Today Tonight. Soap and water. Hello and I'm Naomi Robson swearing. Cropley. Ray Watch. What's going on in the world of the Ray? Oh, it's something despicable. Did you guys hear uh, this week about uh, the Seven News Service in Sydney Mm. um, who uh, had a story with, uh, led by, uh, by, well, journalist uh, who works uh, for Channel 7. Uh, Just looking for his name. What is his name? Uh, I'll find it. Mr. Are you talking about the outing story? Yes, I'm talking about the outing story. So a story that uh, Channel 7 in Sydney did uh, with uh, tailing a a government minister, Mm. Minister for Transport. David Campbell. Mm. David Campbell. Not to be confused with David Cameron. No. Mm. Uh, With a hidden camera and Mm. shooting him coming out of a sauna in a sex on premises a, venue. A gay sauna. Yes. Did were they sitting at the sauna or were they following him specifically? Like did following they know him specifically? Okay, so they, they knew him. Knew. They were, they were mm. acting on a an anonymous tip mm. off uh, air quotes for the video podcast there. Mm. Um, and uh, the ex- explanation just for the regular audio podcast. Um, there is a which video podcast. which then uh, led to this. The story was shown on on Channel Seven. Mm. Uh, Cameron resigned as Minister for Transport mm. uh, in New South Wales, and uh, and proceeded to apologise to his family and, mm. and uh, go and go and try and uh, patch some bridges there. 
This is so, so there is so much wrong with this story. Well, okay, now, so now, now what's 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 your problem with this story? Is because is there a right to uh, for for people in the public to know that uh, a man that they've elected is not being honest within his life? How do, hang on, let's start with is he being honest? Like, there's several things gall me about this story. One is the assumption that he that no one else in his life, including including his wife, uh, knew. Like there is every possibility. I keep hearing this story about, oh, he mustn't have, um, you know, his, his family's a sham family and all this sort of nonsense. And I think his wife, it is possible that he is married mm. and his wife knows that he has sex with men occasionally. That is a possibility sure. that is never countenanced yeah. in these discussions, which is my first irritation. The second one is if she didn't know and she's being cheated on, that is her business and his business and of no consequence to anybody else. Mm-hmm. I can't see the public interest in this at all. Some idiot was going on about, I think that journalist was defending, or channel, someone was defending Peter Meekin. Peter Meekin's been speaking Head out of Channel 7 well. News. Saying, oh, well, he shouldn't campaign on family values. He doesn't campaign on family values. Just because he sent out a Christmas card... With well, a picture the, of him and his family. He does have a family. Yes, yes. <laughs> Just because he, he has sex with men doesn't mean that he doesn't have a wife and a child. He does. And maybe he even has sex with her. What? <gasps> oh, my God. Turns out That's sexuality could be dirty. a grey area for some people. What, a gay Who man knew? having sex with a woman? Ooh. Yeah, maybe he's not gay. You know, maybe he's just not straight. That is a possibility yep. that... Channel 7 can't seem to get their head around. Yeah, and uh, the, the the background for the reporter was that he actually worked uh, in Morris Yemmer's office when, when Morris Yemmer was uh, Premier as uh, as one of the, the upper spin doctors for the government. Mm. Um, ended up not getting a promotion that he had been hoping for when over oh, and got revenge? the job for Channel 7. Right. Well, yeah, Crikey have, have uh, very clearly implied that uh, it was actually just a revenge hatchet job. Oh, that is – see, that's so even as, more As sickening. payback uh, for him uh, not getting getting the job as head spin doctor. That is that is totally dodgy. That is – but let's say worst case scenario in terms of whatever morality we think we're allowed to, you know, judge – Let's say he's cheating on his wife and he is actually a gay man and he's had a sham marriage or whatever. Even then, how is that in any way relevant to a voter? I can't see how it's relevant. If he was on a soapbox banging on about family values and, you know, gay law reform or something like that, maybe. But he's not. To my knowledge, never has been. And I also can't the, see how the it's relevant. Biggest point of the original story on Channel Seven was that he was using his ministerial car to to which drive to the to. sauna, which is yeah. part of his salary packet. Yeah, <laughs> he can go anywhere in it. But uh, once once it was admitted by Channel Seven that uh, that that wasn't actually an issue and that it was part of his salary package, uh, Peter Meekin had had. No, no ill feelings about actually running with the story, and because uh, it's salacious I, bullshit. I have to say, I was, I was I was clutching at straws before. No, not clutching. Sorry, I was I was playing devil's advocate. Channel Seven and Peter Meekin, I think, are clutching at straws, yeah. trying to justify trying to justify it. what they're doing here. Mm. Uh, it's it's bad journalism. Mm. It's uh, it's it's not in the public interest. 
uh, and it probably would have been more. Uh, oh, sorry, it would have been less morally reprehensible mm. if they had just used this footage mm. to m- blackmail him. Mm, absolutely. <laughs> Do you know the most sickening part, though? Did you hear them say his wife had a right to know? As though they did it, you know, for altruistic reasons. Beyond, you know what? beyond the public if good. If you it was, happened it was to find this wife. out and you were worried about her, there's a little thing called a telephone where you could maybe ring her and say, are you aware that this is happening? This might be something you want to know. And this I is, mean, come on. Like at, at what, this is the sort of thing that people in the past have committed suicide over. Do you know what? In the same week that that bloody idiot Ackermanis wrote that ridiculous piece telling, you know, don't AFL... Get me, don't get me started on that because we're going to have a week, fight. But in the same week, it is actually but... relevant though. In the same week, you think, how often are we going to talk about youth suicide and the suicide rates among men are through the roof in Australia? You think this issue isn't relevant? I mean, not you. I'm talking to Channel 7. And that's the... Uh, is it's outrageous. It, is it irresponsible? I, I think of course uh, it is. maybe next week we can have James Talia on to uh, to talk about this sort of thing with you know whatever he would be allowed to say mm, uh, maybe mm. we can uh, uh, we can organize something because this does but just seem the lack like of shame from Megan uh, like mm. like the whole thing literally turns my stomach like I, I'm just so infuriated by how- by that and and for Megan to come out and say when it comes to handing out Walkley awards we probably won't get oh, one no. for this I am proud mm. that we have done the story yes I am this is this is my problem with uh, with uh, the media in general in situations like this if the if a minister does something wrong the media will scream blue murder mm. for them to resign mm. if the media does something wrong they will not apologize under no. any circumstances no and how- they'll apologize if they get a fact wrong but they won't apologize for hurting people but also just the to me it just smacks aside from the immorality of it just the immaturity about the complexity of relationships and human sexuality and life in general. They've made such, as far as I'm concerned, naive and immature assumptions right through the whole thing. There's no there's no subtlety in the discussion. It's just like, all right, he's a, he's a closeted gay man who's been cheating on his wife and this is somehow well, relevant to him as a politician. I mean, it really what? seems that, that unless you're completely vanilla, you're a pervert. Exactly. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Exactly. Have and you... that somehow he has represented himself purely by sending out a Christmas card with a picture of him and his family that way. Have you seen something on the news or a current affairs show? That yes, you I'm think... talking about it. Not you, Brett. <laughs> the listener. I'm talking to the listener here. If you've seen something that you think deserves to be in Raywatch, send us an email to hooray at boxcutters.net or use the talk to boxcutters link at the top of the blog. Watch one thing. Lost finale. Lost finale. Lost finale. Lost finale. Survivor finale. Lost finale. Heroes v villains. Lost finale. Brett, what's yours? That's on Wednesday, isn't it? Yeah, it's on Wednesday in Australia. It's on as soon as I get home at my house. Can we finish so I can get home? Can watch I the t- Lost can finale? I just tell you Lost finale. What I'm loving, Lost finale. Modern Family. Modern Family is great. Oh, You've only got one thing, Nelly, and your one thing, your one thing is the. Uh, your one thing is. The I haven't got to finale. my one thing. Yet. You have. You already said it. No, I just yelled over the top of you saying other stuff. Lost finale. Modern Family. My- <laughs> 
Survivor finale. Go. And for me, something that I didn't realise was happening. They're showing Chuck on Go. Yeah, uh, we've talked about it on this we? show. Really? Oh, Brett Cropley. <laughs> I didn't remember it. Maybe no. I was. No, I wasn't you drunk. You don't remember anything. Maybe, maybe it was the bronchial thing. It's, oh, the maybe bronchial. It maybe it's battling the, off germs. Maybe it's the piao, bongial piao, piao, thing. Piao, piao. 7.30 Wednesday. <laughs> I don't do that. I don't remember anything on this show. You're like a bloody vault. You've got some, you know, weirdo brain. That remembers everything Brett has ever said in his entire life. Sometimes I just make it up. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think that's what's does. happening. Like he was caught out by one of our lovely uh, listeners. Yeah. But other times, yes, we have talked about Chuck being on go. Hey, um, when I cast my pod, it's with the box cutters in mind. Box cutters. Pod. Cast. Done. Pork is on the table. Lost finale, lost finale, lost finale. That brings us to the end of Box Cutters, episode 225. Really? Yes, yes, Nelly, what? Yes. Our Box Cutters special has not been announced. <gasps> it has not. Lost finale. Come on. So, we're going finale. to have a Box Cutters special, not next week, not not 226. Do you want to say Lost Finale again every L- time I draw breath? Lost L- Finale. Lost, I think they've L- got it. Um, not 226, but 227. We're going to have a Box Cutters special where we determine the best character of all time. The best television character best of all time. television character of all time. And the way it's going to work is Fat that... Cat. Fat Cat. I thought you were calling me Fat Cat then. I was going to say, again... Uh-oh. I can take it. Not with my huge pillows and thighs. <laughs> oh, don't get back to thighs. Josh will start salivating. Um, so what we're going to do is all the boss cu- box cutters hosts, including the lovely John, who's not here today, but he will be here next week, will choose our top ten and you'll announce them next week when John's here and or put them on the website. Our, so, so our own top ten. Our own top ten. Yep. And we're not necessarily talking even – obviously it doesn't have to be a character that you like personally. We're talking a well-drawn character. For example, you might not like Tony Soprano, but you'd have to say he's a brilliant character. So your top ten characters of all time. And then the week after for 227, we will – um, discuss. Pardon. The next time I'm here, yes, yep. we will discuss um, the box cutters top ten of all time. And if we can set it up, and I'm sure this will be announced next week, we'll actually give you the opportunity, the listeners, to ring in at a certain time on that Monday mm-hmm. and um, chat about it. We are, we are going to try to set that up. Given uh, given we're uh, we're so just obsessed at the moment uh, by by uh, what you can see on the video podcast that uh, the lost that Josh finale. is holding up. There this, is no video this, podcast. This, there is a this, lost finale. This, this this is a very beautiful thing. I'm a doctor who always looks confused. This is Dude, a cat. I'm fat. Oh, I'm, I love it. I'm having a baby. I'm having a baby. <laughs> you all, everybody. We no speak English, but I do, Jim. Oh, you shut up. I look like a terrorist. But I have emotion. I'm angry. So I call everyone back. And that brings us to the end of Box Cutters episode 225. There are are spoilers in this. We will put the link up, but there are spoilers in this. So just be aware if you're watching it and you're not up to date with Lost, but you're getting close to it. There are spoilers in this whole Cats of Lost thing. And just in in, in your Lost obsession, we forgot to put in that the listeners are invited to email in their top 10 characters. Yes, email them in. 
phone them in. Sorry, Nelly. I just, I'm so eager uh, to You're get, a little bit? Yeah, mm. yeah. Yeah. I just looked at the time and went, ah! Okay. Email uh, shit in. Let's go. Yeah, email stuff in. <laughs> uh, until next week, my name is Josh Canal. I'm Nelly Thomas. I continue to be Brett Cropley. Thanks You're doing this slowly on box purpose. Cutters catch us again next week. <laughs> I will cut you. Same bad time. Locke is great as cat form. Same bad channel. And hey, let's be careful out there. <laughs> box Cutters thanks 3RRR, whose studios we use to record this podcast pretty much each and every week. Find them on the web at rrr.org.au or 102.7 FM if you're in the Melbourne metro area. If you enjoyed this podcast, please go onto the iTunes Music Store or anywhere else you find us and leave a review. It will help other people find Box Cutters and then they can enjoy it too. Email us at hooray at boxcutters.net or via SMS on 0458 288 837. That's 0458 Cutter. What? I'm not doing this bit. I'm not doing this bit. I'm leaving the studio and I'm going to go and watch the Lost Finale so I can finally look at the internet again. Hi, this is Pete Smith. You've been listening to or have just missed Box Cutters.